Good morning. Um, our passage is coming from Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 31. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to verse 31. People are bringing uh, little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as this. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like a little child. Sorry. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, Why, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandment. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all this I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away, said, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray that you would um, dictate my heart and then you would um, lead my lips and, and, and you would guide me so that, so that I would not bring any wisdom and eloquence lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its, its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perished perishing, but to, uh, to us who are being saved, it is power of God, Lord. So let your message be remained at the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so today's passage is um, it's a, it's a story of a man who had great wealth um, that we tend to overlook. Um, 
we overlook this man uh, who came to Jesus just because um, he did not follow Jesus at the end. Uh, however, if you read carefully enough, uh, we should notice that there is nothing this man did wrong. <laughs> Rather, he's a man uh, would, uh, he's a man whom we would all look up to if, if we met him. I mean, at least for me. Verse 17, when Jesus was on his way, this man ran up to Jesus asking about the truth. This man was desperate for the truth. Uh, he fell on his knees uh, before Jesus. You know, the, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, will tell us that he is a young rich ruler. Now, compared to his early success with his wealth and, and social status, uh, he's a humble man, uh, knowing that, that he doesn't mind public eyes and willing to, uh, nor he, he, and, and he's willing to embarrass himself in the public uh, to know the truth. Right? In verse 20, he declared, um, all this I have kept since I was a boy. Just like Paul was able to say about his prior state before his conversion as a, uh, as a Christian, uh, he said in, in Philippians 3, 6 goes, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. So we can, we can see that this man was, was morally upright. He was a law-abiding person, and everyone looked up to him. Even when he realized Jesus' demand was too difficult to do, he went away sad. Um, he had a gentle spirit. See, if you were me, uh, I, would have, I would not be happy with Jesus. Really, I mean, why? Like, look, look, look how Jesus responded, responded, sorry, responded this man. Jesus did not give him a direct answer to his question. See, when he asked about as how he could inherit eternal life, Jesus asked him if he kept all the law, and, and, and he kept them all. And Jesus demands him uh, to sell everything he has and give to the poor and follow him. If you, if you actually read this like in, in, with bright mind, like that's absurd and, and ridiculous. I mean, really. Come on, like, he didn't say that to Peter or any other disciples. It's, it's not some sort of a pyramid scheme that, that the more bottom you go, you have to pay more, you know, to follow Jesus, right? <laughs> it, but but this, this, at the same time, this should alarm us, alarm us, and, or at least me, because I don't think I'm this good as much as this man was. See, many times, I know myself, <laughs> I'm not desperate, um, to desire or know the truth. Uh, certainly, I'm, too, I'm way too prideful uh, uh, enough not to be humble or yield my, my ways unto others. I'm, I'm unfair, unrighteous, um, especially I think rules are optional. <laughs> that means I break a lot of rules for my benefit. So I'm faulty. Um, certainly nurtured to be a polite, but that doesn't mean I'm gentle. Many times I'm scared to log on to my bank account. I'm not rich, uh, but I have enough to um, buy you a coffee at Dunkin', so <laughs> visit me. But, but what was this one thing, one thing that he was lack, that he could not follow Jesus at the end? What, what, and what does it tell us when, when we, we are keep looking for these high qualities in our lives? I mean, don't we all want to be this morally upright, decent, 
law-abiding, wealthy, and socially successful? What is this one thing that we are keep missing in our lives? Or this man missed? See, so I hope and pray that as we investigate this passage this morning, we, we, we may be able to recognize this one thing this man lacked and be able to decide uh, to follow Jesus. Amen? So, in verse 17, uh, this man called Jesus good teacher. Good teacher. Uh, Mark, nowhere else, Mark used this word, um, agathos, good, um, of a person. So this is actually the first time someone called the other person good in, in the gospel of Mark. Um, so this man must have recognized uh, there's something about this Jesus uh, makes him and qualifies him good teacher. Uh, which means like he, Jesus, in, in his eyes, Jesus not only uh, knows something more than others, but something about Jesus' character, his life, and his, his, his way of life uh, makes him good. But Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So, so this rhetorical question actually uh, 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 leads him to or, or, or provokes him to, to think this way. Uh, I, Jesus, am not. Um, how could I be if only God is? That's the first question that he had to answer. And that leads to another question, into another question. But if you keep insist to call me good, you better prepare to call me God as well. But we know the problem of this man was that, that he did not recognize as God. In verse 20, he just called Jesus teacher. When this man asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We, we can see that this man uh, was eagerly wanted to do something or fix something in order to get accepted or qualified for this eternal life. By the way, Jesus doesn't use our language. It's unmerited grace. You know, like you can earn it. He doesn't say that. He actually rather goes into his worldview by asking, you know the commandments. How did man reply? He declared. He didn't just answer or reply. He declared, all this I have kept since I was a boy. And we can know this man wasn't lying, but rather he was sincere because Mark wrote Jesus' respond in verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. See, Mark used the word look as emblepo, uh, in, intently meant. He, Jesus examined his heart, uh, scrutinized his heart, and, and examined his, his motive uh, and knew that he wasn't like other Pharisees or Sadducees. Who are, who are hypocrites or try to trap Jesus with this question. Like this man was, was genuine when he said, when he declared all this since I was a boy. Just like Paul was able to say in Philippians 3, 6. Then Jesus goes on to the next question and demanded him, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. 
then come, follow me. And verse 22, at this demand, the man's face fell. By the way, who would in this room could keep their faces up at this demand? But let me ask you this question. If, if Jesus' logic in his question was actually right and true, how can we even say that we are saved or have eternal life? And even going back to his first question, why do we think it's, it's okay not to keep the Old Testament? If, if that was Jesus' first question for this man. But I'd rather suggest to go Mark, uh, the Matthew 5 to 7, uh, Sermon on the Mount of Jesus, and tell me Jesus did not demand above and beyond what the law of Moses required in order to enter the kingdom of God. See, the Ten Commandments, was, uh, which was an um, archetype of of law of Moses uh, could be summed up by Jesus' double-loving commandment. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourselves. But when Jesus um, had a conversation with this man, uh, he, did not, he did not mention first part of the greatest commandment. He, by asking, do you really love God? He didn't ask that. But rather, he was asking, do you really love your neighbor as yourselves? By mentioning uh, the fifth to tenth uh, commandments of the uh, Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. All the commandments have to do with your relationship with your neighbors. And what did the man say again? I kept all this since I was a boy. James Edwards was right by saying, with the lone exception of the final commandment against coveting, however, the first, uh, the, the ten commandments uh, speak only of act, and this could indeed be kept, even if one's intent was otherwise. I'll say it again. The ten commandments speak only of act, and this could indeed be kept, even if one's intent was otherwise. So yes, by action... We all can be faultless. We, we, we can be all decent people. We all can be decent church. Um, we all can be generous uh, at, until our limit allows. We all can be kind, loving, humble, as long as someone doesn't cross the line. Don't we all? But when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourselves, passively meant Treat others, treat your neighbors as much as you would want to be treated. But actively, it means invest your life, invest your love, invest your heart, invest your soul, invest your way of life to your neighbors as much as you would invest in yourself, on yourself. So according to this heart of question, if this man could indeed keep all the law... And, and, and said, I, 
to the point that he declared, all this thing I kept since I was a boy, he should have been uh, able to invest his wealth in his neighbors who are poor. Do you follow that? So indeed, uh, Jesus asked the very heart of the moral uh, law of Torah. See, this man was so confident and faultless when, when Jesus only asked of his actions. But when he finally faced the heart of Torah, the law of Moses, Old Testament, he realized that he was not skillful enough. He was not good enough. He was not loving enough. He was not merciful enough to keep the law and became good. So he, his face fell and he walked away sadly. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The people, person you just saw, this rich man, this, this person who was upright, uh, uh, faultless in, in, by his actions, humble, uh, generous, it is so hard for him to get into the heaven, the kingdom of God. Arthur Friends wrote, um, the grotesque idea of a camel going through the eye of a needle is a proverbial way of stating the impossible. A rabbinic saying uses an elephant going through the eye of a needle of the impossible. Now, Jesus is saying, how hard, is, how, how hard it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It's impossible. But that's that's way easier for, uh, for this man who you just look up to to, go, to enter into the kingdom of God. It's way more impossible. Then, G- then disciples asked each other, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? Verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. With men... This is impossible. So how can he love our neighbors? How can he even love God? How, how can we confidently say that we, we really love our neighbors and we really love our God? Jesus said, it's impossible. It is impossible. I sincerely hope that you and I hit that wall at some point in our life. Really do. Um, we try and try, try, whether you're a Christian or not, you try to sanctify yourself. You try to think better, say better, act better, react better, to, to live better. But at some point, we have to face this reality that we will never be able to love God nor our neighbors. Maybe as to, to some degrees we will. But, but to the point where Jesus wanted us to love them, we'll never be able to do that. It's impossible. Are you hopeless yet? <laughs> Feel impossible? If you don't, you'll get there. Trust me. 
but here's the hope. But not with God. All things are possible with God. See, what this man was like, what this man lacked was, was his dependency on God and his absolute goodness. I'll say it again. What this man lacked was his dependency on God and his absolute goodness alone. While we cannot reach to this absolute goodness, God can and God is. What we really must do is to rely on his goodness and, and grace that remold us to be like Jesus who actively obeyed God to death, even death on and, and only by his, his perfect, spotless, faultless righteousness, we will be counted as good and righteous. Do you believe that? But here's the thing. If you, if you really say that, that you are saved only by grace, God will ask us to, to love and to be good. All the way. Not just decent, not just a good, kind person. All the way. Just like Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, became nothing. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't consider himself equal with God uh, for his own advantage, but, but rather he, he, he made himself nothing. And that God will ask us to do. But, but it's impossible for us to do. So how can we do that? We constantly have to kneel before God and ask his, to be, to be, Him to be gracious uh, when we fail to love, when we fail to be good, and ask for more strength to carry on this journey with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose in our life. So Dr. Tim Keller mentioned about this uh, conversation with a woman. Uh, after his sermon, uh, his sermon on, on, uh, on, the, on the unmerited free grace, uh, she came up to him and said that that was a scary idea. <laughs> Dr. Keller asked her uh, what was so scary about this unmerited free grace, right? Sounds good. She replied something like this, if I was saved by my good works, then there's would be, there would be a limit to what God could ask of me or put me through. I would be a taxpayer with rights. I would have done my duty, and now I would deserve a certain quality of life. But if it is really true that I am a sinner saved by sheer grace, at God's infinite cost, then there's nothing he cannot ask of me. Again, but if it is really true that I am a sinner saved by sheer grace, at God's infinite cost, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, then there's nothing God cannot ask of me. But it is, it, it, is this story only for those who do not trust, uh, trust on God? Just like this man who, who, who ended up walking away from Jesus? Who's the final um, audience in this story? How Mark, look, look at how Mark exposed disciples' um, uh, uh, heart by their reaction in verse 26. Disciples were even more amazed at this man's failure to get the answer from Jesus and walked away sad. They said to each other, who then can be saved? 
Mark intentionally put the disciples in the same place as this man who walked away from Jesus at the moment right there. Go back to our beginning of the passage, uh, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hand on them to bless them. Uh, by the way, uh, little children in this time and culture, they were, they were insignificant. Uh, they were not even counted as number. Uh, they were, they were uh, neglected and marginalized in a way. What was the disciples' reaction? They rebuked people who brought them to Jesus. See, <laughs> disciples who, who decided to follow Jesus, who, who was walking with Jesus, willfully neglected and marginalized social outcasts. To them, they're, they're, these little children weren't, weren't in their league. But when, when, when this man, socially high uh, status gentleman with, with, with great wealth, came to Jesus, without any hesitation, they instinctively related themselves to him. Who then can be saved? Even after our confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, um, somehow we still want to be like this man rather than children who are incapable, um, incompetent, um, outside of the arms of the Father. Uh, we, we don't want to be feel like we're incapable. <laughs> I mean, just reflecting my, my previous prayers, I pray for my needs and wants while I'm missing this one thing that I was lacking. When have we prayed that, that God would fill our hearts with his love, grace, and mercy, that we would love God and neighbor more than yesterday? I'm most a guilty person in this room. See, again, like we, we all can be decent people, <laughs> decent church. Um, maybe we, we would never feel like uh, there's nothing lack in our life, nothing's wrong with us. Um, but let me ask you this one question as I end my sermon today. Are we today a follower of Jesus Christ who constantly deny ourselves carrying our own cross and following his footsteps with humility? See, these three demands of Jesus to be his disciples, it's impossible for us to do. It's, it's really impossible. Unless all possible God with, with, with his absolute goodness helps us. So, um, as I usually do, I just want us to, um, in silence, we, I just want us to pray a little bit uh, just on this matter. Um, I, I know we all have prayer requests. We, we all have like needs and wants in our life. But can we just put that aside a little bit? Just pray that, that God would fill our hearts 
As, as we walk out this door, we, we, would, we would be more loving, we would be more merciful as he reveals more of his love in our life. Can we do that?